the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. What's up, everybody? It's your sensei, Rocky Romero, and I am here once again to help you guys have even more fun watching professional wrestling when New Japan Pro Wrestling returns back to the ring and back to the action. Pay attention. It's time for Rocky's Pro Wrestling English. Okay, let's get started, or maybe finished, because today's phrase is, it's all over. Chase and into Judd, a rookie from behind with the roll up. One, two, three, it is all over. You are sure to have heard the word if you ever watch NJPW World with English commentary. But the word over is something you hear in Japan too, right? Like game over. It's finished. Owarida! In wrestling, it's the same. When a wrestler hits their big move perfectly, listen to the announcers let you know that the match is all over. But it's not only the end of a match when you hear those words. Suzuki Goon is fighting all over Cork and Hall.
Oh no, everybody stay back. Hey, the latest Rocky Romero t-shirts are really fashionable. Oh, I know. People all over the world are wearing them. You can use all over about taking up a whole place. Or when someone's really punishing or getting mad at someone. Oh, look at Rocky just all over El Phantasmo. What a dominant wrestler he is. Hey, why do you have to get all over me like that? Because you're one hour late and we missed Rocky's autograph session. Okay, it's practice time. Now repeat after me. Ready? It's all over. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling's feature series, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. I am your host, JP John Paz, and on today's Pazcast, we have none other than the three-time Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, the former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, eight time IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Rocky Romero joins the program, and this is a great one. Strap in for a really fun episode as we not only talk about Talking Shop, the podcast, Talking Shop, the Patreon, Talking Shop, the beer, but also Talking Shop, a mania, the pay-per-view, and the possibility of doing a second one. We also talk about his passion for music, his great songs, Someday, Sneaky Style, and of course, the Rapongi Vice theme, which is possibly his best and, and definitely an epic song in its own right. Just great stuff. We talk about his relationship with Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson and kind of that chemistry and what that's all about. We also, of course, talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. We talk about his beginnings there from 2002 all the way to present day in 2020 and what he thinks about how New Japan has been grooming stars throughout the years. We talk a little bit about Okada, Tanahashi, Jay White. We just talk about the greats of New Japan Pro Wrestling and all the guys kind of coming through as young lions and becoming the big stars that they are today. Who are some of the young lions out there right now that are kind of uh, doing the New Japan Strong Show and on New Japan World and kind of being able to check out those guys and who they are and what they're all about. So we definitely get into that as well. I just kind of love going through his whole career. Black Tiger, uh, the Havana Pitbulls. We go through the Forever Hooligans, Rapongi Vice, Rapongi 3K, Chaos. We go through it all. It's a really, really fun interview. It's a long time coming for me because I'm a long time fan of his. Really since I first saw him back in ROH in the early 2000s. So really kind of a, a fun interview for me. Just absolutely love being able to get him on. And for length of time, it's a pretty long, lengthy, fun interview. That is for sure. Now, since it is a longer interview and I don't want to keep talking and going on and on and on, I just want to quickly mention... The other podcast, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, you got Taking to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard, which is available on the TMPT feed. We have Kevin Sullivan's Taskmaster Talks, which is available on the Creative Control Network. We also have Dirty Dutch, yes, the University of Dutch, on the MLW Radio Network. We have Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on Podcast One. Of course, we have Jane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is available on Vince Russo's The Brand. And last but certainly not least, just incredible, his podcast, 
aka YouTube series Pro Wrestling 101, which you can find on Vince Russo's YouTube channel as well. And very soon you will be hearing Trump Mania, which is available on the publisher's desk, all about the history of Vince McMahon and Donald Trump. So great stuff coming from that. So now without any further ado, I'll send it on over to a great interview with the former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, a former IWGP Junior Champion, and of course, the eight-time former IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion. He of course, Black Tiger, Chico El Luchador. He is Rocky Romero. We live in a world where even kings have vices. Well, then we are the kings and we are your vice. You see, we're the true kings, the kings of the night, kings of the lights. Rapongi Vice! Rapongi, Rapongi, Rapongi Lights, Rapongi Vice, Rapongi, Rapongi, Rapongi Lights, Rapongi Vice, Rapongi. Rapongi, Rapongi lights, Rapongi vice, Rapongi, Rapongi. Loretta and Romero ain't nothing I'm, I'm, I'm swift. Four finger rings, it says vice man, the homeboy mono and with demon got a slice in. Rapongi streets is what we're repping. Chaos is the faction, and here is the weapon. Loretta on your side, <laughs> that's a joke. Right. Joining us on the line right now is a former a three-time Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and of course a former eight-time IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion. He's of course Rocky Romero. Rocky, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thanks for uh, having me today. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, you've got so much going on. It literally is crazy how much stuff you've got going on. So kind of uh, give us a little sneak peek of what you got going on as far as the Talking Shop. We'll start there, I guess, with everything going on with the podcast and obviously Talking Shop of Mania that just happened. Just tell us a little bit about Talking Shop. Uh, yeah, I mean um... – you know, it's been a pretty uh, crazy last couple of months for Talking Shop. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff happened that wasn't really expected, um, but we uh, we seem to have maneuvered around it and just kind of uh, made the best of it. I, I really think. Um, you know, obviously when we started restarted the podcast, I should say uh, earlier this year, you know, we weren't expecting that uh, Gallows and Anderson would be released right after WrestleMania. You know, and that was only like our third or fourth weekend. And then, uh, you know, but that also gave us like this great momentum uh, with the the podcast. And then that kind of, you know, turned into, you know, what, what the roots of Talking Shop of Mania, like you just mentioned, um, which, you know, was a pretty great success for, you know, for us because we were expecting like, you know, maybe like 100 people to, to watch it. And, and you know, it, it really turned out to be much bigger than that and, and just um, – you know, it came at the right time uh, during the pandemic and, and everything. And, and it just kind of turned into like this almost like cult kind of, you know, well, hopefully it will be a classic, you know, uh, for, for years to come. And now people are already itching and, and saying, hey, when is, you know, Talking Shop of Mania 2 going to happen? And uh, so now we're definitely feeling the pressure and, 
I don't know for sure if we'll, we'll end doing a, a second one, but uh, I sure hope that, uh, you know, at least the first one will live on in infamy. Yes, that's for sure. Now, very <laughs> successful as far as, you know, Fight TV and everything else. Everybody's very happy with the, the pay-per-view? Yeah, everybody's really happy. Uh, like I said, we weren't expecting much, uh, you know, in terms of numbers or anything. So, uh, you know, a, a, what we ended up having was, was far greater than what we expected. So, and and just the response from everybody and just like the positive responses from everybody. And, um, you know, I think it was really overwhelming, really surprising. And, uh, you know, and it got us really excited because we worked really hard on it. For as bad as it was, and, you know, it was uh, labeled, you know, the uh, hashtag worst pay-per-view ever, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it was uh, it was a lot of fun and a much-needed laugh during, uh, you know, a world that's pretty uh, pretty wild right now. Oh, yeah, uh, to, to say the least. Now, you're saying possibly Talking Shop of Mania, too. It almost seemed like a foregone conclusion with the end of Talking Shop of Mania. You know what I mean? They kind of, the cliffhanger ending, it almost seems like there has to be a second one, no? <laughs> I mean, we definitely left it that way because, you know, we weren't really sure. And then, uh, you know, I think it actually did say, like, the last thing was, you know, to be continued. Mm-hmm. Dot 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 maybe <laughs> we were you know not really knowing you know what the future was going to hold you know everything has moved so fast this year and uh, you know in so many ways that uh, you know it, it's hard to say and hard to commit to something but um, you know I, I'm hoping that we'll uh, we'll get it together and and maybe pull in a second one before the end of the year or early next year uh, like I said it's hard, it's hard to say you know and especially with uh, how things are going. As uh, you know, you know, we're all waiting for Japan to open up, and you know that could open up at any second. So you know, you never know. Yeah, you may not have the uh, the flexibility. The schedule might get a little crazy coming up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, as far as kind of Gallows and Anderson and you, and like you said, you re- almost it was a restart of the of the Talking Shop podcast on MLW and. You know, it, you guys are really just awesome together, and it's free flowing, and it's natural, and it's organic. How do you guys kind of like when you first got it together? Like, what was the the thought process of putting together the podcast? Well, the original idea back in like 2015 or whatever it was, uh, when we first started is 2013, 14, whatever it was. Um, it was just between uh, myself and and, and Carl Anderson because. Carl Anson and I had the idea of like, oh, we should start a podcast. And this was before, you know, the big podcast boom and everybody really had one. There was just a few uh, big wrestling podcasts like Cabanas was still really big. And, um, you know, that was kind of the main one, you know. Uh, so when we when we started doing it, you know, there wasn't like, like we had our core audience, but it wasn't as crazy as it is now, you know. So, um, you know, the first guest that we, we wanted to have was Luke Gallows, of course. And, uh, you know, we knew within the first five minutes that it was like, oh, we can't just do this by ourselves. We need Gallows, like, every time. You know, he's just such a, a funny, hilarious, crazy dude, you know. So it's like he, he just kind of, like, really rounded out the, uh, the three of us. And, and we kind of all had a role to play, and uh, we kind of still do. And, and that, I think that's what makes it unique. We're, you know, three guys from three completely different walks of life. Uh, who just happened to be really, really good friends. And uh, you could, you know, you can listen to the podcast, how natural it is and fruitful, like you said, because, you know, it, it really is just us as friends talking as we do. 
uh, and, and, you know, you can't really, like, produce that, you know? So and I, I think, like, in, uh, in in kind of the entertainment world where, like, things are so overly produced sometimes, like, this is something that's super organic and uh, and extremely real and rooted in, and grounded, you know? So uh, we just can't help ourselves. And we, we do, you know, we talk about what we think is funny, like, as friends, and, you know, we hope that the audience will think it's funny, you know, as well. Definitely such a, a great show. And one thing that's great about it is, you know, there's some other podcasts that are way too long. You guys are never, you know, <laughs> that's never going to happen to you guys. You guys always have like good, short, like, wow, you'd leave people wanting more. Right, right. And that was what was important to us. And then, you know, like I said, when we first started the podcast, you know, we only wanted to go like 30 minutes. Well, we wanted it to be bite-sizing because nobody was really doing that. They had like two hour long podcast, an hour, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it was. So, we were thinking like, nah, we, you know, we should be shorter. And plus it's extremely time consuming. You know, we're all really busy guys, you know, to, to do a podcast every week is uh, already challenging enough. So it's like, um, we wanted to do that. And then nowadays, you know, we have our Patreon, uh, which is, uh, you know, patreon.com backslash talk and shop cheap plug. And uh, we, <laughs> but we have that for the, uh, the extra stuff, you know, cause I know that there's some, some fans that were really wanted, you know, an hour plus or so. So we so we were able to give that to a to a certain core group of fans who really want more. And uh, you know, we're able to to kind of keep all our projects going be, through Patreon. So like even talking shopping mania, what you know was was mostly funded through Patreon, uh, and, and just the support that we've gotten there. So that's really cool because you know we everything that we we get back from it, we put it right back into talking shop in some kind of way, producing some kind of content for our fan base. Which is awesome, and I know that sometimes you guys have, uh, you know, I guess it's once a month or something. You'll be drinking with the fans on there, and yeah, you, know, you guys do a right. lot of stuff, right? You do a <laughs> oh lot of like my. extra stuff that uh, you know, oh. it's really cool for the fans. Those, those. So yeah, we got this thing called Boozing with the Boys that we do twice a month, usually about every other week or so, and uh, and we have had, it's been pretty pretty nuts, like. Usually we get on there and, it, you know, it starts out pretty calm, but, you know, depending on who's who's coming in the shop and, and how crazy it gets, it can get pretty wild on there. So it's like a just a crazy virtual party. And, um, you know, the uh, right before Talking Shop and Mania, we did a special one about uh, like like kind of like a pregame type of thing. Uh, and we had uh, Chris Jericho come in for, you know, 10 minutes and, and talk to all the fans and just – talk about how crappy the pay-per-view was going to be. And, uh, you know, we, we had uh, Brian Myers not, not recently. We had um, uh, formerly Zach Ryder uh, on just not too long ago. So you, ne- you never really know who's going to, like, pop in. And that's, you know, we always try to have, like, some kind of cool guest from somewhere in the wrestling world just kind of pop in. Or, and just like we've, we've also had, you know, like uh, comedians like Taylor Williamson pop in, you know. So, like, you really never know. And it's really fun, and it's, you know, it's something special for our fan base. And like I said, it gets pretty crazy. We we decided not to record them anymore because it just gets too crazy. <laughs> so you got to live in it, and you got to breathe it. You got to you got to have it. Uh, you got to live it live uh, to get the full experience. Okay, you got to be a part of the Patreon, right? You need to get in exactly. there. You got to yep, you got to do that. So you know, you mentioned Japan opening up, and obviously New Japan Pro Wrestling. So what's going on lately with New Japan? I know they, they taped a couple uh, New Japan Strong shows over there in California at the Ocean View Pavilion. So what's going on with uh, New Japan right now? 
So yeah, like like you said, uh, every Friday night we've got a brand new um, studio style show, but uh, you know it's it's a very traditional studio style show. Yeah, in the fact that you know it, it's really New Japan Pro Wrestling, but it, you know if you presented it in a, in a studio, so I, it it's pretty cool. It you know it's a very traditional style, you know, pure professional wrestling show, easy to digest for you know your average uh, wrestling fan. As it's only like, you know sixty minutes, it's not two and a half plus hours or three hours. So, so you know that's kind of the thing is there's so much wrestling content out there and in, uh, in the world right now. And uh, you know we, as as New Japan, you know we're thinking like, hey, you know it'd be cool if this was not more than an hour, you know. And you know it was every Friday night you can watch it at your own will. It's on uh, video on demand on njpwworld.com. And then uh, on the flip side of that, in Japan, I mean, Japan is going uh, just this weekend. I uh, have a big, big event at uh, Jingu Stadium, uh, which is where the Yakult Swallows play professional uh, major league team there in Japan. And uh, I think that's about 30% capacity that's, that's open. So, you know, obviously, you know, not a lot of sports around the world are, are, are going on, and especially, you know, they're going on in front of people. So I think, you know, New Japan being the first to come back in front of people was pretty pretty cool and really interesting. Um, and like I said, there's some big matches going on. There's Naito versus Evil for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, uh, Ishimori versus uh, Hiromu for the junior title, and, uh, and and just like the brand-new King of Pro Wrestling, I don't know if you, you've seen anything about this, but it's like a fan vote, and they're basically like different uh, gimmick-type matches um, that'll, you know, have uh, four four different, no, eight different wrestlers in four matches, and then they'll be, com- be competing for the King of Pro Wrestling uh, championship. But it's not a belt, it's a trophy. So I guess that'll be defended later on, I think, at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but yeah, just you know, completely unique, completely different, and uh, you know, some kind of new. And and I think some fans are into it, some fans are not. But you know, I, I'm I just can't wait to see it all, you know, unfold, and then I'll make my my call on if I like it or not. But either way, I think it's a it, it's a cool way to even out the playing field for a lot of different wrestlers, especially between the junior heavyweights and the heavyweights. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you kind of think about the distinction of obviously the Japanese wrestlers can't get over here, most of them for the most part, maybe mm-hmm. Kenta obviously is kind of still here, but um, I guess he lives in the States, but you know, you guys from the States can't get over there. Do you think that there's like a, a line in the sand with like, okay, the, the experienced New Japan guys, but a lot of the New Japan guys on the strong show are, you know, not necessarily regulars. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like the younger guys. Uh, the up maybe some up and comers. What do you kind of think about the distinction? Is it good for the overall product to kind of separate the brands for right now? Well, I, I think it's interesting because you know, uh, you know, U, the U.S. expansion is really an extension of the of the Japanese product, right? So, like, uh, you know, the Japanese product is is always going to be number one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, that's that's where the bread and butter is for the company. That's our home base. So I think, um, you know, the expansion was always supposed to be an expansion, you know, and, you know, so uh, I, I think that it, it kind of, you know, with the pandemic kind of forced things to happen in a different kind of way. Uh, you know, I, I think there was always plans to want to do 
you know, a, a New Japan Strong type show. But obviously, you know, it would have been in front of people and it would have maybe been a different situation. So this kind of like the pandemic could just kind of uh, kind of hurry things along, but also kind of change things, you know, and, and they had to make it some, some decisions pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, but we've because we've had the dojo open for, I think, two years now or so, two, three years now. So, it, you know, there's a lot of different talent that has come to, uh, you know, tryouts that we've had and, and, and all kinds of stuff that we, you know, on the search for looking for uh, talent to bring to Japan as well as use on the uh, U.S. shows. So, you know, all the guys that are competing, I would say probably 98%, 95% are all been found in those, uh, you know, dojo tryouts, you know. So maybe they weren't um, exactly like, uh, young lion material, you know, depending on age or depending on experience or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, all of them, you know, stood out. And so, like, these are all standouts. So that's why I was like, oh, well, why, you know, this might be the perfect opportunity to give some of these guys who, who we think are talented uh, a shot, you know, and in front of a, a big audience uh, that, you know, that'll be watching them each week on New Japan Strong and, uh, you know, see if they sink or swim. Because that's how we're going to find out. And some guys, you know, might really pick up the following. Maybe you'll see them in a, a best of super junior in Japan next year or whatever it may be, you know. And maybe some of them will just, you know, fizzle off and we won't see them again. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, in New Japan, it's always uh, sink or swim. Just because you get the opportunity doesn't mean that that's the end all be all, you know. Um, you know, and I, that's something that I experienced even, you know, in New Japan, you know, the, the first time that I came over in October 2002, I didn't come over till uh, 2000, you know, like mid-2004. And they were basically like, well, you're not really ready just yet, but we think you're, you're pretty talented. So, you know, why don't you try to go get more experience, you know, like a young lion would. And they opened up the door for me to go to CMLL. And, you know, that, that was just another chapter and, you know, where I learned and grew as a, a wrestler. And I was able to come back in, you know, 2004 and, and bring some different skills uh, to the table. So I, I think that this is just another extension of that, an extension of the the U.S. expansion, and also the search for looking for you know the greatest talent on the earth and how to bring them into the greatest wrestling uh, company on the planet. I do think it's great because you can almost get more eyes. Why you know there's not so much going on, you can almost get more eyes. You know, obviously Kent is over here. He, he's going to win the, the U.S. final. But, you know, you get maybe more eyes on David Finley or, you know, maybe that guy Danny Limelight might get some, you know, some more looks or, you know, Carl Fredericks or, you know, whoever, right? Isn't this almost a, a good thing for these guys? It's it's more exposure for them for sure. Absolutely. And see, even like somebody like Carl Fredericks who uh, maybe wouldn't have got the opportunities that he even got, uh, like what they would, you know, with the sub show, with the Lions Break Collision show, which was kind of like almost the pilot to all this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So uh, I feel like, uh, you know, even the growth with that, those four weeks that you saw him, I mean, we really saw people, you know, really supporting Carl or really like, you know, not digging his new attitude or whatever it might be, but like look how much growth over even over four weeks uh, you could see that, that happen with Carl. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a great example of that. And, and, you know, like you said, like it could be somebody like a Danny Limelight um, you know, there's, uh, you know, Clark Connors, who's a, a dojo guy who yep. hasn't really broken out just yet, but has all the tools and all the potential, you know. So um, 
I, I think it's really, I think it's really cool. And, and, uh, you know, obviously having like, you know, some of the big guys like Jay White, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Jason yep. Sinley and Ta, you know, Tomatonga being a part of it, like you said, Kenta, uh, Jeff Cobb, of course, just kind of adds to it. And, you know, I'm curious to see when these, uh, you know, kind of newcomers start really mixing it up with the, uh, the known talent, like somebody like Jeff Cobb or, or Jay White or whoever it might be. And even like, it's cool to have some of the ROH guys that have been a part of it. Uh, Brody King, Flip Gordon, um, PJ Black. Uh, those are, those are guys that are, that all really stand out, you know? Yeah. I'm always curious, like how is the relationship with like ring of honor and stuff? Because, you know, they got guys in here, you got free agents technically like TJP and Jeff Cobb, maybe not te- real free agents, but you know, they're somewhat of a free agent where maybe they don't have deals, but is that something that's kind of cool? That can I have good relationships with all these companies where guys can kind of float in and float out like Tom Lawler is from MLW floated in and floated out. So, I mean, is that always a good thing to have these open relationships with these other companies? Absolutely. I think, it, you know, and I, I, I think imagine a world where like, de- you know, a, a destination for these wrestlers who wouldn't normally wrestle against each other, you know, due to politics and stuff, you know, where, where you know, some of these politics are kind of opened up, you know, because of New Japan, you know, and, and, you know, I think that's what's kind of cool about, you know, New Japan being such a, a special and unique product with these, you know, fantastic wrestlers is like really, all, you know, every company in the world kind of wants to, to be a part of it, you know, or, or at least wants to work with them in some kind of way. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, that it's a great place to open up all these doors, you know, especially maybe not for like top, top talent, but maybe like the young and up and coming talent. Like imagine if, uh, you know, some of the AEW dark guys were, you know, wrestled on a new Japan strong show, but then, you know, later in the card, there was a ring of honor, uh, you know, heavyweight like Brody King or something. And then, you know, somewhere in the middle there was, you know, Tom Lawler or, you know, some, or maybe somebody young and new from MLW. I mean, why not? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, and you never know, maybe throw an impact person in there, you know, you know, Dallas and Anderson can always make an appearance. Who knows, you know? So um, I think it's kind of cool. And I, I you know, it, it's, definitely it's its own world. And um, like I said, it's an, ex, an extension of, uh, the Japanese product. So I, I feel like in Japan, you would see something like that more likely, but you know, Hey, you know, maybe it'll happen in the U S too. So interesting because then you throw, you know, the United wrestling network who is kind of like assisting you guys, I guess, with where you're taping in kind of that area. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously championship wrestling from Hollywood, which is associated with the United wrestling. And now the NWA is associated with them so they could kind of be associated with you. I mean, it's like literally wide open. It's crazy how, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, like super clash back in the day, you know, you had AWA and NWA, you know what I mean? It's, it's very wide open right now. It's kind of cool. Right. No, it's, I think it's, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do also with, uh, you know, just kind of how the world is and like, uh, you know, you know, not having been able to, to wrestle in front of live, uh, a live audience has really, you know, hurt all these different companies. So instead of, like, you know, fighting against each other, you know, why not work together in some kind of way? And, uh, you know, and and that's not going to be, like, you know, an invasion or this and that or whatever. You know, it's just, I, I think, just in some kind of ways, to, you know, throw bones to each other, try to help each other out and, and figure it all out, you know? Um, so I, I think it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, as the world is kind of going dealing with this, 
these major problems here, you know, the wrestling world has, has kind of opened up and, and maybe come together a bit more um, to, you know, to bring what's important, you know, to the fans, which is, you know, uh, all our products, you know, in some kind of way. So, you know, you, you'll probably see, uh, you know, some of the younger talent maybe show up on a championship wrestling from Hollywood card or a United Wrestling Network card, you know, maybe Carl or Clark or, or even myself as possible, you know? Uh, yeah, to, to see yeah. us on there, yeah. So, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, like I said, I think the world is, is kind of opening up in that way, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, just, I guess we'll have to see in the next couple months what happens, you know? Yep. You know, it's so interesting with you. You know, you're not that old, but it's interesting to look like, wow, you started wrestling, you know, basically, you know, around the late 90s. And, you know, you were mentioning being in New Japan for wrestling in 2002 uh, with Ricky Reyes. You guys kind of debuted as, as the Havana Pitbulls. Then you said you were gaining more experience, part of the best of the super juniors. Um, you know, as you move along and in 2004, you know, you, you kind of really making a name for yourself. Did you always kind of see yourself being able to be in New Japan for wrestling? Was that always kind of a dream? Because it's funny to think about it, but man, you've almost been in New Japan for 20 years, basically in right. and out but for 20 years. It's crazy. It is crazy. You know, I, I, I always, you know, that once I started wrestling and I kind of discovered Japanese wrestling, that was the goal. That was, you know, that, because, but, you know, of course, the goal in the beginning as a young kid was like, oh, yeah, I want to be in WWE or, uh, you know, WWF at the time. And then it's kind of turned into, like, once I discovered ECW as a teenager, then I was like, oh, I'm going to be in ECW. You know, those guys really, really care about wrestling, you know, type thing. And then, uh, and then it was, you know, WCW was kind of the in-between between the two. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, maybe I'll, I could see myself being a cruiserweight in WCW. Then everything changes, right? WCW closes, mm-hmm. uh, ECW closes. So, uh, you know, and, and at that time, when I just started training, it was so embedded, you know, in the culture around wrestling and wrestlers coming up was that WWE wasn't interested in, in guys under six feet or six two, you know? So it really hindered the, uh, you know, the possibility of me even wrestling there. So, you know, I had already kind of like put that on the back burner. Like that wasn't really a thing that I wanted to do, but I always thought, Hey, if I could make it to Japan and Mexico uh, and all these other places, some kind of opportunity would, would present itself, um, and, you know, but especially like, hey, it's like, well, why, you know, these guys reading, you know, these books like Dan and my kids book and, uh, you know, some other wrestlers, it, it was like, oh, well, these guys, you know, look at this living you can make in Japan and, and, uh, and look at, you know, they're, they're making money, they have big crowds, you know, it's, it's big time wrestling, uh, just it's not in the U.S., right? It just doesn't have that, that um Marquee name like WWE has worldwide, uh, but you know it's it's major major wrestling. You know it's like playing you know major league ball in Japan. You know, so um, I just figured you know well hey if I if I can get over there and I can actually make it like you know I think that would be enough for me. You know like that would be and then this is not knowing that obviously New Japan was going to. Uh, you know, be such a hit worldwide, you know, and internationally, this is far, far before that, you know. Um, so I just figured, you know, let me get to Japan. Let me try to get into a J-Cup or a Best of Super Junior or something like that. I mean, just, you know, these kind of smaller goals. And then and then I just kind of been along with the ride and, and watching New Japan, and you know, especially when the Bullet Club hit, 
you know, just how many eyes, you know, really opened worldwide to, to New Japan. And as the world got smaller with the Internet and how easy and accessible uh, the product became, uh, then it just seemed like, hey, why am I going to leave this? You know, this is like my dream job. This is where I've always wanted to be. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I can't see myself leaving. You know, it really feels like home. I've been here for, like you said, almost almost 20 years, and, and that blows my mind. And, and I just want to help the company, uh, you know, reach reach new heights, you know. And every year it seems to do something. You know, last year, uh, you know, who would have thought that, you know, I'd be – you know, making my entrance in MSG, you know, uh, yep. not, not me, <laughs> you know, especially outside of the WWE. I mean, nobody. Right. So I just, I just feel like in a sold out MSG, you know, at that. So I don't know. I, I just feel like, uh, I'm on the right trajectory. I'm, you know, I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm happier than I could possibly be, you know? And and it just seems to get better every year, so we'll just ride the wave, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because you go back to 2005, and, and New Japan always kind of had, I guess, their eye on you, or they they really liked you, or they had some ideas for you. Because I remember being at a Ring of Honor show, and they were announcing that New Japan was going to bring in the new Black Tiger, as Gary Michael Capetta <laughs> said, and everyone was like. Yeah. If you remember that, everyone's like, "What the new Black Tiger?" So obviously, like, what? <laughs> who's that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone's like, "The new Black Tiger." And the way he said it, he was so enthusiastic. It was great. But what did you think about putting in that role? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Eddie Guerrero's in that role. I mean, it's a legendary, legendary role to be thrown in. So they obviously had some stock in you and liked you from the way beginning. Yeah. Um strange you know like like what a strange phone call to get because uh you know speaking of like saying like oh i wanted to travel to to mexico and japan and all these places you know i mean those are it's only because i was watching guys like eddie guerrero and that's what he did you know or or like jericho and that's what he did you know Dean malenko so i feel like um you know, obviously to get the, the opportunity in Japan just to come over is one thing, right? Like I, I always felt like that was the easy part is to get the opportunity to come over, but to stay or to do something like big like that, like black being Black Tiger, you know, four is is pretty, you know, completely life-changing. And, and, and it's also now a part of like wrestling history in a way, you know? So it's like, uh, you know, you, you go down the uh, the list of Black Tigers, and you know, very few of them a, and then you know, b, they're all like these legendary wrestlers. You know, Mark Rollerball Rocco, you know, who just passed yeah. away uh, yep. not yep. too long ago. I mean, he he's a guy who completely changed his name. You talk, you know, when you you see or hear other wrestlers talk about him in interviews, it's like, oh yeah, he was the best during that time. He was the best. He was the best. He was this. You know, he was this. He was that. Uh, he changed the game. And then, uh, and then you, t- you know, Eddie Guerrero, obviously, you know, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, bar none, you know, who, who literally could do anything, um, you know. So, uh, you know, he, a guy who was my hero, you know, somebody I looked up to, especially as a, as a wrestler, um, Silver King, who mm-hmm. was one of, you know, all around another guy who could basically do anything, any style. Everywhere he went, he was super successful, um, you know, he, hell, he was a movie star, <laughs> you know, he was in, not to leave it, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it's just cool to be 
you know, it just my name around those guys is just it, it's still pretty wild and insane to me. I, I it's hard it's hard to to fully grasp it, you know. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just uh, I, I'm, I'm great. I'm grateful because it completely changed my life and completely changed my world. And that was when, really when I became kind of a, a guy who would who would frequent New Japan from time to time into being you know a New Japan regular, you know, which was which was way different, you know, than than just kind of coming in two or three times a year. And you know, I was there for you know you know three, four months at a time, then go home for like a month and then come back, you know? So, um, I don't know that, 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 that was always, and then that was always seemed like that was one of the goals, you know, was to become a new Japan regular. So to, to, to kind of gain that and, and, and to be able to do it in such a prominent position and wrestling tiger mask, you know, for the yep. IWGP junior title and NWA world title, you know, I mean, it's like, that's what I wanted, you know? I was I was doing exactly what what the guys that I was, uh, you know, uh, kind of looking up to, like a Jericho, like a like a, and, that, and you know, I was finally doing that in my own right, you know. It is like awesome, like you said, uh, Rollerball, Rocco, um, Eddie, then Silver King, then you. I mean, it's a pretty damn, you know, star-studded and, and great list to be upon. So if you know, I know you're under the hood, but if you're you are truly, you know, the Black Tiger, there's somebody that they definitely have great respect for when you win the uh, junior titles that mean a lot to you the IWGP just because you know of of the history and just because you were just such a big fan of, of all those guys and obviously of New Japan is that a big deal to you so much so much um I, I mean it feels like a flash because it was so like, it, it was so long ago now you know but it, mm-hmm. it's like I don't know like it, it none of it ever felt real that makes any sense. It all kind of felt like a dream. It feels like, uh, you know, just even being black tiger and doing those big matches with tiger mask and, and, uh, you know, coach Kanemoto and just kind of, you know, teaming with Liger or going against Liger or what, you know, it, it all feels like a, just like this crazy dream. Uh, and, and now I wish that I, I would have known what I know now, you know, back then, I think there would have probably been an even better and different run for Black Tiger, um, you know, obviously there was some other stuff that that went down the, uh, in, in the backstage politics with the dojo and uh, in the Inoki dojo in New Japan and the separation there. So like, you know, things things kind of got went went a little south for me, and uh, you know, I, then I ended up leaving, going to Noah and all that stuff. So um, I, I wish that uh, I mean it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm glad that it happened. Don't get me wrong, because it was the way that it was supposed to be, um, and the way it turned out. But uh, I, I just wish I, I would have stopped and, and kind of took it all in, you know, took it all in as Black Tiger and, and like really took it in all in as a young man, and, and you know, really took it in my like, you know, you're the added GP Junior Champion, you know, like this is this is what it's all about, uh, you know, and it, now it just seems like it was all a dream. <laughs> mm, yep. You didn't stop and smell the roses. Now with the, you know, you said going to Noah, then CMML, you were also kind of big in Ring of Honor for a while. I mean, even going back before Black Tiger with the Rottweilers, uh, with uh, Loki, Homicide, yourself, Ricky Reyes. But really, you kind of 
make your name again in New Japan in the No Remorse Corps when you and Davey Richards get together. Is that just a good feeling because you're going to win the IWGP Junior Tag Titles? Like they really have a place for you, and they really, you know, they really like you a lot. Basically, the Junior Tag Title. Uh, I just feel like you know, I'll definitely be synonymous with that title probably you know forever. You know, in a way. I mean, having so many uh, title reigns with so many different partners. I mean, you know, I I, I kind of feel like. You know, like when they they talk about Liger and their Jacob, or they talk about Liger and the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Singles Belt. You know, they're going to talk about Rocky Romero for for a long time, and that's kind of cool. You know, like in a way, I know for some people, uh, it feels like the least most least important title, but I, I feel like hey, that was my that was my my belt. You know, that was what I represented for, you know, now some you know since two thousand probably 13 or so, you know, Apollo go, go against, uh, in the remorse core 2012, even, um, you know, I mean, kind of always been synonymous with it. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, to me, that's something special. And that's like, uh, you know, something that, uh, that I feel good about, you know, and, uh, and, and especially like, it was crazy. Like when Harold, uh, Harold may join new Japan, he, he gave me a great compliment. He said, uh, "Oh, I, I, you know, I, I always remember you and uh, your partner Alex Godwin. You guys always stuck out to me, uh, you know, so much." And he said, "Me and my wife used to watch uh, when we come to watch New Japan. You know, you guys would always have these these junior youth in the show, and uh, you know, we had fond memories of that. You know, the first match on the card. You know, first match on the card, last match on the card are the most important matches in the whole show, right?" So mm-hmm. yep. uh, it just just having that those moments of you know all these big Wrestle Kingdoms and you know whatever big summer shows or whatever it is I mean you know just kind of being a part of that and you know even stuff like with Kozlov you know Kozlov stopping the crowd telling everybody to stand up and he's got like twelve thousand people standing up on their feet all uh you know while he's singing the russian national anthem i mean you know just doing stuff like that will always be these fond memories because it wasn't just uh about the titles you know which it was but it wasn't you know it was also about the characters and and kind of navigating our own way uh with the belts you know and and doing something that was different and i feel like there's all these different chapters to it you know there's the davy richards chapter of course there's the kozlov chapter there's the tremperetta uh chapter uh, the Young Bucks chapter, you know, that goes along with that. Um, and then, you know, there's the now the Rapunzel 3K chapter. Uh, you know, so it's, I'm kind of always been involved. You know, it feels like for the last, like, I don't know, seven, eight years, more maybe, you know, uh, of just Rocky Romero and this junior tag title, you know. Yeah, you kind of made the title important. And like you said, all these different tag partners. I just laugh when I look at some of the names, like Forever Hooligan. Like, the Japanese <laughs> always have that tradition of throwing American names together, but not necessarily always making sense, right? I mean, is right. that is that name something they came up with? You're like, wait a second here. That doesn't really make sense together, <laughs> like, in that right. way. The funny thing is that, that was me, Carlos, uh, and I, I, I idea. So, you know, he, he kept saying, no, shouldn't it be hooligans forever? It shouldn't be hooligans forever. And I was like, no, it's got to be forever hooligans. And he kept saying, he's like, but it doesn't make sense. I was like, I know, I know. So we can get away with it, and it's going to stick out. And especially to, well, it's going to stick out. Japanese people, they're going to they just think it, 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 it seems cool and that's right. So I'm like, trust me, 
trust me. And uh, and I think it worked, you know. I, I you know just having like a little different kind of nuance or a little different uh, way of well, putting it at things sometimes is super important, and uh, and just the way that um that people kind of perceive it and and remember it, you know. So because um, it could have been hooligans forever, and I don't know if it would have worked now, but I feel like forever hooligans will will always stick out like to you somehow, and maybe that's the, you know because it, it wasn't exactly correct <laughs> yeah so yep yeah i always think that's so funny it's like shouldn't it be the other way around but that's great that you guys <laughs> exactly. thought or you really thought like i'm gonna switch it and now you know it's gonna be unforgettable right right and and people will say like oh that's exactly like what you just said that's what that was the thought was like oh because it's, it's something coming from japan uh you know it sounds like uh you know japan english you know so it's like mm-hmm. it, it, it it might work you know Yep. And, you know, you're basically the, the stalwart of the division. Really, you said for about seven, eight years, almost going, dating back nine years, kind of the, the stalwart of the division. And then Rapongi Vice, you said with uh, Trent Beretta, love that name, too. Is that something you came yeah, up with? Yeah, that was another one, <laughs> one of mine. We were searching for the longest time for a name, and we could not come up with anything. And um, finally, look, one day I, I was just, I don't know how it exactly came. But I know I was in I was in somewhere in the UK and I, I, was, I was on this long trip and I don't know something something about Miami Vice had gone past me on the phone or listening to music or something and uh, and then I just thought like oh why don't we just do Rapungi Vice because obviously you know the foreigner district is Rapungi right so like the Japanese will latch onto that right because they'll know that in in particular so. They'll think it's cute and kind of funny, and you know, because the whole country knows what what Rapunzel is and where it is and what it represents, you know. So, um, and then you know, there will be some foreign people who will will understand that as well. So I just figured, like, okay, and then obviously Americans, you know, for the most part, you know, North Americans, you know, will know what Miami Vice was or what it was, and then we can use you know the cool colors because Trent likes neon colors. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. We can now use neon colors to kind of highlight it, and then um, and we could just have fun with it because we can spoof it if we want to. You know, we never really mm-hmm. spoofed it much uh, except for a couple of T-shirts and like the logo a little bit. But um, so the first person that I I, I ran it by was um, was Tim Bauer, uh, Prince Devitt, and uh, he's one of my really really good friends. So I, I I was like, hey, what do you think about this name? And he goes, oh, man, you know, because he's the guy who created the Bullet Club name. So, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he, yep. he does pretty well with stuff like that. So uh, he goes, oh, man, uh, I wish I would have thought about that. I wish I would have done that before you <laughs> Why mm-hmm. did I think of that? So I knew that it was going to be something that was going to be good and kind of special. And then, you know, most importantly, it was going to stick out to Japanese people and it was going to stick out to uh, our, you know, English-speaking fans which is what you want, right? You want to hit, hit, be able to hit both of those, um, both of those, uh, uh, demographics, you know? Yep. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of like it. And then, uh, Trent didn't hate it, which was most important because he kind of doesn't <laughs> like anything because we probably went through 150 names and he was like, Oh yeah, I don't hate that. That's pretty good. <laughs> so then it was like, boom. Okay. Let's do it. And this was like maybe, I want to say like two weeks before we were going to start with, in New Japan, I think, or two or three weeks. So 
we just we were able to get the gear made and everything kind of like all done up quickly because we kind of had an idea about the colors and the art, you know, from there because we, we were kind of spoofing Miami Vice, so it kind of made it a little easy, which was good for us, you know. Now, the Rapungi uh, area, like, is that like a weird district in Japan? I know it, it's it's right by Tokyo, right? Yeah, it's in Tokyo, so it's like um, known as the kind of foreigner district because it's like the foreigner party district. So, um, gosh, like it's like going to I'm trying to think here. Well, uh, hmm. I don't know how, where in, in the states or like say like uh, what's down there in, in New Orleans uh, where that Mardi Gras and all that like, that little area. Um, What's it called? Oh, the quarter, like French the quarter, quarter yeah, whatever. French quarter. Yeah, yep, so it's like yep. exactly. So it's like same like the French quarter. You're gonna find a bunch of bars, restaurants, people hanging out all throughout the night, and you know, but it's like mostly um, known for like the foreign type non-Japanese people will go and hang out there. You know, there were so many stories from the '80s of like the wrestlers going out and like getting to fistfights and like just craziness you know so like there was all these like different things that kind of brought it together it was like wrestling it was like just what it was as you know being the foreigner district uh non-japanese district and then like uh you know like going and you know because we were basically we were gonna uh build our our kind of um part of our characters like around this you know like you know drinking a little bit you know and drinking alcohol you know we have the name strong zero which was our you know one of our favorite drinks, like if we were going to go and hang out somewhere, you know, we would go grab a couple of strong zeros uh, before a baseball game or something, you know? So like that just kind of all encompassed everything and it was kind of easy to put it all together. Now the Rapungi 3k with yo and show basically, you know, more of a kind of a manager role. Is that something that you wanted to do? Didn't want to do thought like, Hey, you know, I'm pretty, I'm still pretty young. Like, you know, I could still go or is it something just to help these guys get over um, a, a mixture, you know, because it was like at that time, like once, once, uh, you know, Trent, uh, was going to move up to the heavyweight division, I didn't feel like I wanted to do and get another partner and do it all over again. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I really feel like we had made, you know, like each partner we had grown, grown, grown. And I feel like the hype of it was with Trent, you know, so. I didn't want to go and get another partner because I didn't feel like that was the way. And I didn't really want to be in the, the tag division anymore. Uh, you know, so, so the opportunity came along to like be the mentor, be the coach, be the, the, uh, the manager for Repugna 3K. Then it was, a, it was kind of like a new, just a new challenge, you know, and that's kind of like what I've always been about, you know, personally is like, how can I challenge myself? So it was like challenge yourself enough to, to really help to get these guys over, you know, and really help to get these guys, uh, you know, who, who are coming just as like, you know, the last time they were here, they just wore black trunks and black boots, you know, and no knee pads. So like, hmm. what can you do with these guys who, who are, you know, just, you know, uh, bland, you know, young lions and turn them into, you know, stars, you know? So, and, and really, you know, it was cool. Cause you know, not only did Show and Yo trust me, but New Japan trusted me to kind of come up with the whole packaging of this whole thing, you know? And, like, it was all, you know, my idea. So, like, basically I had to, like, prove myself. And, like, it was very stressful. It was probably more stressful than if I would have just debuted as Black Tiger. It was way more stressful than that, 
you know, because it wasn't like, at least if it was Black Tiger or it was, it was just on me and I failed, it was, I fail, right? It's just on me. But, like, I'm in charge of these two guys' careers, you know? And they're, yeah. they're huge comeback when they're coming back from excursion. I mean, like, you know, these guys want to be Okada, you know? They, they want to come back from excursion and win, win you know, become either the GP heavyweight champion, you know, be Tanahashi. I mean, that's what everybody's excursion, you know? So uh, I, 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 I kind of, like, had to really focus in and kind of take that, uh, you know, seriously and, and uh, and realize that uh, if I'm gonna do this, I have to do it right, and I have to do it for these guys, you know, and, and really make it like as good as I could possibly make it. So, um, so that you know, I, I I look to you know what which I always do is I look to like music and television and look for some kind of idea to kind of spark the whole thing. And and I and I knew the easy transition, which is probably be keep it within the Rapunzel world, you know. So like, Rapunzel Vice was so big. Uh, in Japan, in the U.S., so it was like, okay, we could play off that because that's my connection, right? That's me. So it was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a new Rapunzel. I'm gonna make it bigger than ever. I'm gonna make it three thousand times better. So that was, you know, the three thousand was three <laughs> K. So, so um, you know, and then we just want you, Japanese people like it things short, right? So Rapunzel was already long, and Vice was only four letters. So it was like, how can I make it even shorter but make it mean more? So it was like, oh, let's turn three thousand to three K, and then. Um, uh, and then the idea I'm like, I'm listening to music and I was listening heavily to, um, to, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, forgot. <laughs> um, I was listening heavily to, God, I'm going to have to look it up. I just had a brain fart. Just a moment. <laughs> it's looking up. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Let me, I looked at my. Record collection, they're right here. Ugh. One of those things where, like, you know it, and then you feel really stupid because you can't remember it for some reason. Oh yes, you, you just you're, you're blank. You know the answer, just, but you're yeah. blank. And you're like, uh, I listened to oh, to Daft Punk. So, so I, I was listening to Daft Punk uh, a lot during that time. So, you know, uh, Daft Punk is uh, kind of like this futuristic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, they're robots, right? You know, they're this futuristic sound, you know, but they're like really like 70s kind of like funk sound, you know, so whatever. So, uh, but the robots are silver and gold, you know, so like, oh, I was like, oh, I want to use those colors. I want one, one of them to be silver, completely silver, and then one to be completely gold. And then we'll use this kind of futuristic uh, kind of presentation, you know, because it's like, Pungi, it's 3,000 times better. We'll use the, you know, we'll use all that kind of like to play in. And then, uh, so that that was like the main piece that I, I, I felt like we had and we needed was, was what the costumes were going to, not exactly what the costumes are going to be, but at least the colors, you know. So, yeah. uh, so, um, so we kind of took that and then kind of played with Sho and Yo about, you know, kind of talk to them about it and what, what they liked and what they didn't. So, uh, you know, one of them wanted to be silver, one of them wanted to be gold. So I was like, great, that was the easy part. So um, I was like, what, what other ideas do you guys have? And they're like, none. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. So I was like, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if it was like that they didn't necessarily have ideas. Cause I think nervous, they, they maybe. Did. Yeah. I think they're just nervous and like coming back and they didn't know. They were still being like young lions. 
you know, and the fact of like, okay, well, he's the senior, let him just kind of do it <laughs> and tell us what to do, you know? So, um, which was fine because I think that in the presentation of it, it all worked out because eventually they were going to take it and, and make it what they you know, what it is now, their own characters, you know? I felt like I, I just needed to get them started, you know? Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, just so, so getting all that together, having them debut, I made the music, um, which I think was a, a kind of an important part of the Rapungi Vice thing. So it was like, okay, we're going to make different music, we're going to make it try to sound like a little more futuristic and more really upbeat and, uh, and kind of fun. Cause I, I figured like, Oh, these guys are going to basically be like, um, kind of Japanese idols in a way. Right. The two good looking guys, they're in really good shape. You know, they're going to have uh guy fans. They're going to have girlfriends, you know, they're really going to stick out because there's nobody who looks exactly like them. And then if we make this kind of uniform look, I mean, it's almost going to feel like almost like a, like a boy band, you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a yep. way. So, so I'm like, oh, so that'll be perfect. That'll go along with so many things. And, I, and it was. So, like, I feel like uh, I had the right ideas. And then, you know, they came in and they obviously did they did the, the, the heavy lifting of the wrestling and the hard part, you know. I just kind of tried it to, to give them, like, a big-time feel and a big-time presentation. And then, you know, because I knew that the wrestling part, I was going to be up to them. And they did a great job with it. So, um so I, I, you know, when we did the debut and it was cool, you know, we had, um, it was like a sold out Ryu Goku and, uh, you know, the, I come out, I got this like smoke gun and I'm shooting the smoke and this video's playing and everybody's like, what is this? What is this? The music is going. And then all of a sudden through the smoke show and yo come out and they, and they, they were supposed to keep their hoods on, but they came out with so much energy that the hoods just flew off their heads. And then like the <laughs> yep. second that the crowd sees them, it's just a crazy, crazy roar like I've never heard uh, before. You know, like they were just, everybody was like surprised, happy, uh, shocked because they knew them. They had seen them basically grow up for so many years in the Young Lion system. And that's what I love about the Young Lion system. You know, is they, they, ha- uh, they already have this built-in connection. And then here they are, they weren't expecting, they didn't know who it was going to be. And then it was like this great surprise and uh, and then the match was awesome on top of that, you know. So one of the coolest moments uh, of my career, and it wasn't even about me, you know. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Just uh, yeah, I'm just super proud of them. And now they they just do their own thing, and they don't they don't listen to me anymore. But <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they do what they do, and they, they're they're doing great, you know. Yep. Still junior tag champs uh, as we speak. They're still the tag champs, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And uh, and show's doing some great stuff, uh, you know, because of the pandemic as well. You know, show's been doing some amazing, amazing singles matches against heavyweight wrestlers, which is just awesome. It's funny, like with New Japan, whatever they do, like the Young Lion system, however they train the guys, it always ends up a lot better than any other training system. You know, not saying anything bad about you know, NXT or WB or any place else, but it just seems like New Japan always kind of gets it right. And there's so many guys that come there. And it's like, okay, is this guy ready? Wow, this guy's ready. If you even look at a guy like uh, Jay White, it's like, wow, this guy's ready to be a main eventer. Didn't realize that. You know, obviously he was trained by New Japan. I mean, there's so many. Okada, year, of course, going back many years. But, man, look at him now, probably the best wrestler in the world. I know I get, get in trouble for saying that. Arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world. But I would say he probably is the best. 
But is that just the kind of way it is? New Japan just knows how to train these guys? I mean, it's just the resume is just impressive. Well, I think that, A, New Japan, you know, for the most part, recruits guys who really want it, you know, because the system is hard. It's, like, extremely, extremely hard. So, you know, like, you're really giving up uh, your life to be a professional wrestler, like, legitimately, you know? Like, you're going to be in the dojo, you're going to be training for a year, and, you, and you're, you're in the dojo. I mean, like, you're not, it's, you're not, like, going home on vacation or you're going home on the weekends. Like, no, you live inside the dojo for a year. And you only go outside unless, like, somebody tells you to or you have to go get groceries or, like, you have to go to the doctor or something, you know? So it's like, it, it's, it's like, it's like how quarantine is, you know? So you're only going out for like essentials. So, uh, you know, uh, not only that, so you give up a complete year of that to two, the task at hand, which is learning professional wrestling and getting into shape. So, I mean, just to take that, I mean, like most people probably wouldn't do that, you know, do a boot camp for maybe two or three months. I understand. But do a boot camp for, for one year until you maybe debut. And then you see your, your peers and other people who have joined the same day as you. Say three guys joined, two guys run away in the middle of the night, just disappear, never see them again. <laughs> then you're the only one. Yep. And you've got to do all the tasks and all the chores and everything that has to be done in the dojo, and, and it's just you. And then maybe, hopefully, somebody else joins, and then it's now the two of you guys, and you guys are on the battle together, you know? So, so I, I feel like... Um, you know, I, I think that that's a big deal about it because it really builds your 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 strength mentally, your spirit mentally, emotionally. Um, and it's not just like you just walk in and then all of a sudden you're, you know, Kazuchika Okada. You know, it took years to build Kazuchika Okada, you know. Uh, and, and, and I think that that's one thing that's different than system. And then the, the second thing is, is it's just like Young Lion – system of just being like there's seven moves that you can do or whatever eight moves or whatever it is and that's it try to be the best professional wrestler that you can be with just these eight moves and uh and just the basics that you have learned and and like try you know and you watch some of these young lion matches and they're sometimes the best matches on the card because they're raw you know they're 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 really using what is important about professional wrestling that's feeling emotion, uh, you know, that rawness to it. And it's not, like, it's not about the moves and like who can do it. Like, great. You know, like Osprey's, a, you know, can do some of the most amazing moves in the world, you know, like he really can, but um, it took him a long time to understand the true art of wrestling. And that's, you know, the emotional part and the emotions inside. And he's still not there completely yet, you know, yep. uh, but, but as a young lion, you can't do moves. It's not about that. It's not about how being, it's about, you know, showing your fighting spirit, showing these things that are important, showing your heart, your soul, and, uh, and then connecting with the audience, right? So that's what it's really all about in your, your professional wrestlers. You're trying to emote and connect with the audience. So th- that is being taught from the day you join the dojo. It's not even for that. It's taught to you, I would say, the day you try out for the dojo and you're doing 500 squats and you're doing jump rope for 10 minutes, and every time you mess up, you got to restart. You know, these are the things that are like, 
they're, they're not testing for, uh, you know, physical prowess or whatever. They're testing to see, like, who, who, who can show their heart the most and the desire to want to, to be a professional wrestler because it ain't easy. It's not easy, and especially uh, the Japanese way is very difficult, you know. So, but it also pays off in the end because, like, you know your craft better than, uh, you know, most wrestlers know their craft in, you know, 10 years. You'll know it in two you know, because you really dedicated your life to it. So, um, I don't know. I think that that's, that's one of the, the bigger differences. And also, like, New Japan, for the most part, doesn't scout outside of people who really want to be professional wrestlers, too, which I think also makes a big difference because some people just don't have the passion then, right? Right, yep. So, so I, I feel like that that's a lot. You know, to go so like instead of um, spending time and money into two hundred wrestlers to look for one superstar, they'd rather you know get a smaller group and invest the time and money into you know ten guys and make three three of them superstars. Yeah, makes sense. And I had the ability or the chance to interview Tamatanga before and Bad Luck Valet and David Finley and Jay White and all these guys and would always ask them about the training. They said it was, you know, old school toughness. Uh, they really kind of proved who wanted to be there. And you hear some of the training, you're like, oh, my God, you know, obviously all those guys, all great, and obviously great job kind of picking them and, and saying, okay, you know, these guys are going to be something and, and having seen that potential in them. But also them kind of going through that training, and you were obviously went through that training too. So I feel like New Japan not only picks the right guys, the guys that, that end up staying really have to show a lot of heart. And it's almost that old school mentality. Like, okay, we're going to kick the shit out of you. We're going to beat you up. But if you can be tough enough and you can last, you're going to be a big star. And it seems like, I mean, like their track record is unbelievably good. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think, it, like you said, it's shown. I, I think that New Japan turns out more, high-level professional wrestlers or, or stars, as if you want to say, um, you know, more than anybody else, you know, and especially in the last few years, uh, as the company's grown, um, you know, the, the abundance of, of, of talent that's come through the doors has just been really high level. So you, you take that with the New Japan system on top of it, and, you know, you, you're taking coal and you're putting it under pressure and you're, you're turning into a diamond, you know? Absolutely, yes. Now, as far as the – you were talking about creating music and stuff, and I wanted to mention this uh, for sure. You mentioned kind of you know creating theme music stuff. Now you're creating even more music and albums and stuff and Sneaky Style and Someday and obviously RPG Vice or Pongi Vice. What is kind of the deal with music? Because is that just another passion, another talent you have? Because I, to me, I'm like, well, that came out of nowhere. He can, he's also like a, a talented <laughs> musician, songwriter. I mean, I mean, you could kind of do it all. So always had a passion for music? Yeah, I always had a passion for music. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was in like church choir when I was young and, and then choir later, like uh, as a student in, in middle school and high school. Um, you know, I, I was attracted to music at that point, but it was really more of just an escape so I can get out of class as much as I could in, in, in school. But, um, but you know, it, like, it always stuck with me. And, um, and then I, I, I really kind of just started out, out of, like, a necessity to, to do something uh, 
you know, just to do something that was that was a bit different and, and just to do something because I, I was kind of lacking. When I moved to Mexico uh, and I was working for AAA, just all of a sudden we kind of stopped working due to the drug wars and everything. So, like, you know, we just wrestled maybe once a week at most or sometimes we would just wouldn't wrestle at all. So I had all this, like, energy, you know, that I, I, that I wanted to do something creative and I just didn't have the outlet. So I started, you know, I, I picked up a, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I should learn an instrument or something. But, you know, that, that's kind of tough to do, just pick up an instrument and start. So I, what I did was like, oh, I, I realized all these producers were making music on their laptops. And, you know, instead of learning one instrument, you could play one keyboard and play like, you know, a hundred different instruments and make a, you know, a drum beat and then record a song all in one platform. So I, uh, so I took that up. I started to learn it, started doing YouTube videos on it. So, you know, just started learning the, the software and then me and, uh, Mark Jindrak, uh, Mark Corleone, like since we were both, you know, we were both kind of just off, we just started writing songs. And one summer, I think we wrote like a hundred and something songs. And that just gave me like, a bunch of experience in it, you know, and and then I just kind of never stopped. It was just like a fun hobby. It's like the perfect thing to do when you're stuck on a bus for five hours. You just, you know, turn your laptop on, put your headphones on, and, you know, you, you can make, uh, you know, three, four different beats or songs, and then, you know, started writing lyrics. I didn't really have anybody to, to rap over it or to, you know, to sing or anything, so I just started, uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll just do it myself, and I kind of turned to that, and I, I started to really pick up some momentum and um, when I when I did the Rapungi Vice uh, theme, and that kind of gave me a bunch of confidence to like, whoa, people are really digging this. It's like really a big part of our of our characters. So why don't I just do you know a whole mixtape? So I did the, the two mixtapes, and then uh, and then that turned later uh, you know into Sneaky Style, and like you said, someday. And then I I've got another EP that I'm, I'm I've been working on this whole uh, pandemic. So that I'll probably put that out sometime in the fall. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, now it's just like a, like a fun thing to do. It's like a little side hobby, but you know, it's also something like it, it's a small revenue stream for me. And it's, it's just crazy that people are actually supporting the music, you know, as opposed to just supporting me only in wrestling. So, and I, I really enjoy it. And, it, you know, I get a little embarrassed when my wife puts it on and in front of people, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she thinks she's so proud of me, but I get, I get embarrassed, but, uh, um, but, you know, for the most part, it's, it's cool to see that, you know, thousands of fans worldwide, you know, download and listen to it, you know, on the regular and, um, you know, and, and, and some of the, you know, themes have been come become iconic in their own little way, you know, so I don't know, it's just, it's, it's pretty crazy to me that that's a thing. <laughs> like really crazy. Very cool. But I love that it's your passion, but it's, becoming successful like you said a little bit of a revenue stream right. that i mean that's right. awesome when passion can meet money right 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 um but i i think it all has to do with you know wrestling and just kind of having the confidence from that and, and just trying it and being like what the you know well screw it you know i mean people are gonna laugh some people will laugh some people will say tell you no but like if it makes you happy and 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 it's not hurting anybody and, and you, you know why not just go for it who cares yeah. Yep. Definitely. Now, as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish, just a, you know, a couple maybe quote unquote generic questions because I'm always just curious, especially with you because I've seen you live and in color in Ring of Honor for for years. I used to I started going to ROH shows 
you know, in the early 2000s, and I saw you you a bunch on there. So, do you have some favorite matches? And and I know we mentioned some, and, and we mentioned the Bucks and and Apollo 55 and a bunch of other ones. But do you have some favorite matches? Kind of uh, looking back at your career so far. Who? Um, let me say. I mean, most recently, uh, I would say the match with Phantasmo is definitely a highlight of my career. Sold out Cork and Hall. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying that that was one one of their favorite matches of 2019. Uh, just like when we talk about the like emotion and stuff, I mean, like so many people crying. Never made anybody cry. You know, uh, my wife said, "You make me cry." <laughs> <laughs> but I've never made like you know like a like a fan fans cry or anything like that. So that was like a whole different, uh, just a whole different energy and a whole different vibe, you know? So, um, and just being like touch so much that, that fans love you so much that they're actually crying. I mean, that's like a Hulk Hogan thing, you know, or like a, yep. you know, you know, that, that's a whole nother level, you know, and Antonio Inoki thing or something, you know? So, um, to just kind of like have that was pretty wild. Um, obviously that also in 2019, I would say the Will Ospreay match was saw a big highlight. Um, doing the J cup for the first time, actually being in a J cup instead of just, you know, best super juniors, uh, was a huge highlight for me. Cause that was like the first Japanese video I ever saw. Japanese wrestling video was like super J cup. Uh, I think first stage, no second stage, no first stage, first stage, uh, the new Japan one. And then, um, so that was like a huge career highlight. So that was, that was a cool memory. Um, black tiger, Against Koji Kanemoto was was a pretty crazy match. I wish that one was something that was that was more easily accessible so people could watch that. Um, what other ones against Mara Fuji in Ring of Honor for the uh, uh, the first Ring of Honor pay per view. That was a, mm-hmm. yeah. I think we like opened the show. We're like the first official match. I think they had like some kind of schmoz match before us, but um, that was a huge highlight. Manhattan Center you know, in the place that Raw built, you know, and then here we are, we're in this first pay-per-view and it's like, feels like a rogue league. It felt like ECW, you know, and, uh, and here I am opening the show with Mara Fuji, you know, one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet. And, you know, we just have this killer match. Um, yeah, those are a few. And then to be honest, probably every single match that I had with the Bucks and Trent and I, you know, each one was always fun and different. And, you know, working with those guys was always great. It was like a big standout, I think, um, throughout the years in New Japan, working against those guys. Um, we always had good chemistry. Um, yeah, yeah, that's just to name a few <laughs> that I can remember yeah. up the top of my head. It's been a long time. Now, do you... Many, many years. Do you kind of enjoy... I know you wrestled CML, you wrestled... Um, in, in the United States, obviously a lot. I mean, obviously, but Japan is Japan your favorite place to wrestle? Uh, yeah, so far, so far. Uh, it's your... my favorite place to wrestle. Just the respect that the the fans bring, and how it's still kind of like old school, you know, like how 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 the wrestling that I fell in love with, you know, they're doing it, you know, like that's how the fans are reacting and stuff, you know. Uh, that's that's the that's the way I like it, you know, that that's what I prefer. 
is there something about it, like the culture you just took to right away, you just absolutely loved it? Um, yeah. No, I mean, it was always the dream to go there. The second I, I stepped foot in the country, I mean, it was like, I don't know, there was just something magical and special about it. And, you know, even to this day, um, you know, even if I get frustrated with certain things, you know, just culturally different, I mean, I, I love the place and it's still magical to me. And every time I go there, you know, I get this feeling in my belly and I like, I don't know, there's just something about it that, that, uh, is truly special to me. And, and it's been awesome to, you know, learn different customs and, uh, learn different things about the country and the people and how many friends and what I've made and, you know, like real true friends. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's just like it's still crazy to me that you know I, I live in you know I, part of my my year is I'm living in Japan and working in Japan and I'm working for you know New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, it's still I don't know. It's still it's still like a, a, like I'm just a, a young lion just stepping off the plane for the first time. Now, do you have any dream matches that maybe didn't happen yet or you want to happen? Is there a dream matches still out there for you that you'd love to happen, either in New Japan or in the United States? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, man, I would love to wrestle Finn Balor one more time. I think that would be amazing. Um, um, who else? Man, you know, to be honest, I've, I've really wrestled so many people over <laughs> all these years. Uh, God, I don't know. I'm not not any that are that are right off the top of my head, to be honest. I think I, I think for the most part, yeah. Like I, I've gotten to wrestle, you know, so, some of the greats, you know. So I, I feel like for me now, like the number one goal would be, uh, you know, to try to recapture the IWGP Junior Title. I mean, that would really be the ultimate goal for at this point. And just have a run with it as, as you know, Rocky Romero, not behind a mask, uh, you know, not in a certain situation. I feel like, it, you know, it should just be me and just, like, the rawness of, like, you know, does Rocky still have it? You know, because I feel like that's a question that I wake up with every day, you know. Every time I go to get in the ring, I, I'm, I'm the hardest critic on myself, you know, and, and I'm so hard on myself, so I feel like, I'm constantly asking him, like, do I have it? Could I actually perform at that level? You know, so, like, I think the Super Junior last year was why it was so meaningful and why it was so emotional was because it was, you know, it's the honest-to-God truth. I was, I, that's all the questions that I asked myself every single day, you know. And I'm not even that old. It's just been a, it's just yeah. been, it's just been a long, you know, it's been a long career, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I'm in good shape, but, you know, I, I, I can feel the difference of, you know, being almost 38 and, and, you know, and wrestling at, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old in Tokyo, you know, big difference, you know? Yep. I thought you might say a rematch for the best of the American Super Juniors, which I was there live in Asbury Park, New Jersey in 2005. I thought you were going to say a rematch against Dragon Soldier B, but you didn't, so... <laughs> Not a chance at hell. <laughs> oh, man. I actually mentioned that to uh, David Marquez not that long ago, and I was like, what That's the hell right. was your problem with Dragon Soldier B? That was horrible. <laughs> like, come on. I, I know you had a great match earlier in that against Brian Danielson, but yeah. like that that was the setup. Like, Dragon Soldier B was going to win the whole thing. I was like, come on. Right, right. Yeah, well, 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes some craziness happens. And that was just a crazy week in general. Or that whole weekend was terrible. If you remember that terrible storm that came yes. through and yep. we got, yep. I think the show started like two or three hours late. It was like, yep. I think we just showed up like five minutes before. I mean, it was like crazy. So it, yeah, as a fan, we're like, man, I don't know about this show. You know, we hung around. Obviously, we, we stayed uh, all the way to the end. But we're like, man, this is a one long night with horrible weather. Yeah. They, maybe yep. we should not go. But then, it, you know, we had to see the best of the Super Juniors. And then friggin' Dragon Soldier B ends up winning it. <laughs> yep. And all those good uh, guys, Danielson, Spanky were in it, uh, yourself, Shelly, Shelly uh, Gibson, yep. Roderick Strong, and then mm-hmm. it's like Dragon Soldier B. I know. Like, damn I know. <sighs> Obviously, politics wow. played a role there. Yep. For, for one, sure. uh, <laughs> one uh, final question uh, for me before we hit like the plugs: uh, Chico El Luchador versus Black Tiger. Who's winning that one? Go never does the job. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, please uh, give us uh, all your your plugs, everything you got going on, the the music, the Patreon, the the, the podcast, everything you got going on. So many plugs. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter and IG at Azuka Rock, A-Z-U-C-A-R-R-O-C. Um, the music, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music, you download music or stream music, uh, you'll find me, Rocky Romero. Uh, and um, what else? Uh, the Patreon for Talk and Shop, patreon.com backslash Talk and Shop. We're also available, all our podcasts available, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. Um, com. you can buy it from me personally all the different we have uh, we have Chico Luchador masks we have 8x10s we got t-shirts all kinds of good stuff and then you can also check me out on Pro Wrestling Tees backslash Rocky Romero and uh, yeah and you know we got some some really cool projects coming out with Talking Shop Talking Shop of Mania is still available on Fight TV purchase it once you got it forever so definitely check that out Nice, awesome oh, stuff. And, and of course, of course, NJPWworld.com every Friday night for NJPW Strong. Yes, awesome stuff. You got literally so much going on right now. It's crazy. Uh, I love it from being a longtime fan. I just love it and uh, wish all the success to you. And I'm hoping to see a Talking Shop Mania pay-per-view number two because I love the first one. So, you know, good luck with the, with everything, with the podcast, with the beer and everything else you guys got going on Thank the Patreon. And, and I hope to see uh, the second Talking Shop about Mania pay-per-view. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so, too. We'll see. <laughs> Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome stuff, Rocky. Thank you so much uh, for all the time. I really hey, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a great interview. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.